welcome to the Up The Cream podcast, episode 20. I'm Dan Tomlinson. I'm joined, as always, by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy. Rich, how are you doing, Paul? Yeah, I'm good, mate. And you? Yeah, spot on, thanks. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to Thursday. Hull FC are at Huddersfield in what is the UK... Well, our first game under no restrictions in the UK since, you know, pre-COVID. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to get back to, to some semblance of normality, albeit, you know, we've still got players out due to COVID and the coach probably won't be there because of COVID, but we'll uh, at least we'll be able to name a team uh, by the looks of it and and get back on the pitch. Yeah, it's crazy to think that Friday the 26th of June was the last time Hull FC played. Ironically, that was against Huddersfield as well, with what you described as the performance of the ages and Obviously, we've had games against Salford, Lee, and Hull Kingston Rovers called off since then, which has been a bit of an bit of an annoyance, really, because this was the run where we really wanted to, you know, cement our place in the Super League playoffs, get our win percentage up, you know, get on a winning run, and we haven't been able to do that. Uh, obviously, the Salford game was called off from their doing, the Lee and Rovers were from our doing, and obviously, COVID has hit the whole FC camp again. You know, just a bit of you know, you be a decent human thing. Obviously, you wish. Let's see. Well, you hope they can all shake it all off, you know, get fit and healthy, and and be raring to go again. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, that's that's hit the headlines over here as well. The fact that you know players have, have caught COVID, and let's not forget, it was it was Hull FC who had the first positive COVID case of any professional sport in in the world. I think wasn't it when we had the first with the first cases of COVID last year? We were the first team to call games off, um, but. Um, Josh Reynolds actually was interviewed on Andrew Voss's show, um, radio show uh, over here last week and said, you know, it was, it was pretty full on and, you know, he woke up out of breath for a couple of days and he was a bit scared and stuff, but he was on the road to recovery and it taken a lot out of him. Um, and it was cool, actually, because um, a lot of people that I know were, like, ringing me up or, or, like, coming into my work and going, oh, wow, we just heard about your club having COVID cases and stuff in England. So, um like, you know, I suppose uh, all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what it'll do for our um, chances of signing big Australian players when they're, they're hearing things like that. But, um, you know, um, Reynolds said he was absolutely, uh, COVID aside, loving his time in Australia. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Loving his time in England. So. Yeah, in <laughs> England, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, Old Daily Mail actually took the quotes from that podcast and made a little piece about it. And I read it. I, I must admit, I didn't listen to the the podcast with Andrew Ross and Josh Reynolds, but I did see, see the comments in the old Daily Mail, and it definitely knocked him for six, didn't it? He, he, you know, he spoke yeah. in depth about it, how it's affected him, saying I was out of breath and how much weight he's lost as well, and and that's the key yeah. thing because we forget these players are obviously, you know, the ones that are contracting COVID. Everyone has, everyone reacts differently to every illness in the world because obviously mm-hmm. us humans mm-hmm. are all different, aren't we? And totally, like, totally. And it's I don't know if it's a yeah, it's a bit worrying maybe that he's lost a bit of weight because you're thinking, okay, then he's got to get back to his playing weight. You think other players... It, remember Josh Jones last year, he couldn't breathe for you know weeks on end. I, I know it was obviously uh, implemented with the fact that he didn't want to be here either, but the fact is he had COVID and he had COVID bad and he had problems with his breathing. And then you've got other players that will get positive tests and they don't even know they've got it. I mean, I won't name names, yeah. but I know one player right now who got tested for positive. I'm not even going to say what club is at. It's one of the two old clubs, obviously. He didn't even know he had it until they got tested positive. So, it, it, yeah. like all illnesses, it can hit you in different ways, can't it? And it's not to say that someone's milking it or they're relying, because that's just... You know, anyone who denies COVID right now needs to go look at Josh Reynolds and say, right, is you know, this is a serious thing. It is, obviously, it is mm. serious. It's a virus that's killed loads of people. Obviously, it's serious. But also, at the same point, you've got to think... 
you know, how do we complete the Super League season now, knowing that we've got games that are getting cancelled week, you know, week in, week out now, and, and it's not just one, sometimes it's two and as many as three and four as well. Mm. Yeah, no, no, totally, mate. And, 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 you know, to your point, I think, um, it, you know, it's a virus. It, it affects everyone differently. Some people get a, a fairly mild dose and they've got a good good immune system and they can fight it off. Other people don't. You know, other people are laid up for it for, for months. There's, there's a, you know, someone I know over here that, that had it and, and got that kind of variant that's the long COVID. And it was, it was like six months before they got the sense of taste back and the sense of smell back, you know, and it just, just felt like crap for six months. And I know someone else that got it and they self-isolated and then tested negative three weeks later and were absolutely fine. You know, it's just, it's just going to be like that. And players are no different to the rest of us, you know? Just because the professional athletes doesn't mean that they're immune to it or that they're going to be able to fight it off. Some people get it bad and some people won't. Um, you know, it's just, it seems to be that in the UK at the moment, you know, Boris Johnson's decided that, right, well, we're going to live with it. You know, we've, we've got as many people as we can, um, quarant- you know, um, vaccinated. Now we just live with it, which is, it's a ballsy move. Um, over here, we've got another couple of outbreaks and stuff. Sydney's on lockdown at the moment. All the NRL have been relocated to Queensland because Queensland don't really have many cases. Um, and, you know, we've only got 10% of the populace fully vaccinated. That's it. Um, because our wonderful government decided to go all in on AstraZeneca. And then the AstraZeneca thing was, well, you can't give it to anyone under 60 because of blood clots. So now we're waiting for doses of Pfizer to come through and hardly anyone's been vaccinated. So we're, with this new Indian variant that seems to be worse than the others, we're at the point now here where um, if there's a massive outbreak of the Delta variant, as they call it, which it's looking like it, there is going to be one because Sydney's getting over 100 cases a day and it's growing every day. Um, we're going to be on lockdown for quite a while, I think, and with a largely unvaccinated populace as well. So there's going to be major problems with the NRL moving forward, major problems. And that is, is a concern, like you say, when a, when a virus can spread like that. We've seen it in the UK. I mean, we've been one of the worst hit countries mm. in the world and it's, it's been really tough to, you know, to see society grind to a halt because of it and seeing people obviously hit for six and others, you know, obviously battling it still. And it's a tough one because with Boris's call now to obviously ease all the restrictions, I'm self-employed. Yeah. So I'm looking at it thinking, right, I, I need all these restrictions to be eased. I need to get back to normality in order to make a living. And mm. and I look at all these businesses, I know loads of people that run, as, as we all do, every single person knows, loads of people that run independent, local you know, small businesses, and they've struggled for the past 16, 18 months now, and all those self-employed tradesmen who have struggled, you know, they need to get back yeah, to work now, they need so, to crack on, and, and that's what I'm sort of thinking, you know, this country has done its vaccine rollout really well, must admit, you know, fair play, some I've had my first dose, you know, many people older than me have had yeah. both jabs now, so, you know, it, it's yeah. it, it's getting on, and I think we have got to the stage now where we, we need to crack on as a country, and deal with it, and live with it, and it won't please some people. It just won't. I mean, some people just look... I think some people look at COVID and think, you know, I actually want this to be worse than it is because it seems to thrive off it. I don't, I don't get it because yeah, it's serious. We know it's serious, but we've got to get on with our lives. And this is this is the point where I'm, I'm trying to make now, obviously, as a, as a self-employed person. And as, like you say, there's millions mm. of, of others like me. And it's it, I, I use that analogy with Super League as well. Because if we don't finish the season... What then happens? Does this guy say, you know what, right, we've just negotiated this new TV deal. You haven't fulfilled enough fixtures. You know what, we're going to pull back even more and we're going to give you less money. And that, that's a genuine worry for me because if we're not going to get to 25 rounds. That's an absolute certainty. 
I mean, Brett Hodgson's come out this week and said we need to get to 18 games to ensure we can have a uh, a playoff, you know, be a, have a playoff spot. And we've got seven weeks to do that, to get seven games in. Like I say, there's not a cat and else chance we're going to get the, the 14 in to complete the 25 rounds. So we can't afford any more outbreaks now because we literally need these seven weeks now to get our seven games in so we can be a playoff team. It, we've got to the stage yeah, now where we have to get on with it. Yeah, the problem is it's a chicken and egg, isn't it? You, you know, you need to, you need to, um, you need to play. You, you need to, you need to, you need no outbreaks to get the games. But but running games and having people there risk more outbreaks, don't they? That's the problem. So I mean, unless you completely insulate the players from everybody, and I mean, like like we've done over here, is put players into hotel quarantine and just basically say there's a bubble and that's it. You're not even allowed to see your family. Nothing. You know, I mean, do you do that? Um, probably not in the in the Super League because there's not that much money around in the Super League for, to allow that to happen. But over here, you've got clashed up clubs that are going right. Well, we'll rent out an entire floor of a hotel for the next six weeks and play every game in Queensland, and that's what's happening. See, like you just said, their money's the key thing, there, isn't it? They've got the they obviously the, the financial thing. resources to do that. Over here, we haven't. It's as simple as that. And yeah. you look at our Super League players. I would say the partners of at least 90% of Super players have probably got jobs in the communities in the UK. 100%, no doubt yeah. about that. And yeah. they can't afford, you know, to sit at home and not take that income, you know, every month and, and just, you know, sit watching TV and knitting and twiddling the thumbs. It, they're out there, aren't they? It's the same with the kids. They're out in the community at school or, you know, playing rugby league for their community club or, like you say, or mixing with their friends. It's... It's just impossible to do that. I mean, the Premier League did it in football because they catch rich. And then the cricket, when they came over last year, the West Indies came over, uh, Pakistan also came over. You know, they was in literally quarantined bubbles, like you say, and they weren't allowed out the hotel unless they was on the training pitch or on the cricket pitch. So it's completely different, isn't it? It's just, I, I get why the NRL have done what they've done because that's the only way, like you say, they can com- complete their competition. Over here in Super League, we haven't got the luxury of doing that because it's literally down to money and... This is what I'm saying. Where where do we get to the point where we're going to carry on like this? But then, like I say, people say, oh, yeah, but a virus is much more important than a Super League season. Yeah, you're right, but it's not much more important than a livelihood. And we are generally talking livelihoods here. If Super League doesn't complete yes. the season, we're in yeah. deep shit. Yeah, I don't think there's an answer to it. Do you know, I just think, you know, like, I think the UK has gone one way. Um, I think Australia is going to go entirely the other way. Um, so it's it's now, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly think it'll bring down the Australian government, their their mishandling of the of the vaccine rollout over here and their their failure to um um to financially compensate, you know, um businesses and, and people that have, have been completely screwed over by this. I think it'll I think it'll probably be the end of the Morrison government. Um having said that, I thought the bushfires were as well, but there's interest all going through that. Um but yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens there. But I think the UK have gone the other way, you know. Um, they're going for that kind of herd immunity. People will still get it. It'll just be a case of if you've got it, you've got it. Tough. Carry on, you know. And, and you know, we've had as a country nine hundred and fifty deaths. That's it. Um, the UK have had God knows how many. Um, and and we've actually because we've kept it out and we've closed our borders, we've actually kept financially really buoyant and, and businesses have stayed open and stuff. Um, the, the issue is that that we caught it early and and the, most of the rest of the world didn't. Um, so you know, I think 
from a financial point of view, I think clubs over here are really in the box seat. Um, I think for, I reckon the Rugby League World Cup's dead. I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I, I, I obviously can't see Australia sending a team to, to, to the UK in, in this circumstance. I really can't, um, which, which pains me to say it, but I think they might try and do it next year instead. Um, you know, I think, I think everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens with the Olympics as well. Um, as regards international sport, because you know you've already got athletes going into that village. I mean, the Olympic starts this week, later this week. You've already got athletes going into the village there, testing positive and being more or less thrown out of the country straight away. So I don't know, mate. It, it's going to be it's a long road out of this, and, and I think we're we're nowhere near the end of it yet. No, I agree. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna have its up and down spells on you know on that line and yeah you're absolutely right it's far from over and like you say in both countries both the uk and australia interesting you mentioned the rugby league world cup there because the official announced last week that it will go ahead as planned in uh november t- 2021 uh if, i look at does, that <laughs> go on, if go on. it does mate it goes ahead without australia I think. well that's that's the thing isn't it i mean I, I took that statement with a pinch of salt it was me thinking all right you said that yeah great there's no, there's no way it is because if, if Australia decide no, you know what, we're not coming here. Which you know, let's be, let's be, let's face it, it's going to be likely in it. And likewise with New Zealand, you haven't got yeah. a World Cup, you know, because that will probably mean Tonga Samoa as well. Because don't forget, most of Tonga, well, all of Tonga's yeah. players, all Samoa's players, are NRL players. And if the NRL clubs won't yeah. release them, you haven't got a tournament. You can't play a World Cup with England, France, Wales, Scotland, Italy, you know, blah blah blah. It just won't happen. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there because. Uh, as a few journalists have pointed out already, the Wallabies and the All Blacks, obviously the Australian, New Zealand rugby union teams, are over for some autumn slash winter internationals in the UK at the same time. Yeah. So if they come, they're sort of thinking, well, why are Australia and New Zealand might the rugby league teams coming? And, and, and let's face it, when, mm. the World Cup will be a strict bubble process. You, you will literally be in your bubble. Yeah. You'll be hotel yeah. quarantined. You won't be out doing things every day and every night. It'll be strict like the NRL. So it'll... Do they want it to go ahead? I look at NRL clubs and they, they cry wolf every single season about the international game. Like, oh, I don't want to release players to do this, that and that because the NRL comes first and I want to back it in November to start pre-season. And yeah. It's always been a constant spiral, hasn't it, with, with Australia? Do they actually want the international game? Do they actually see anything outside of the NRL bubble? I don't think they do. Yeah, no. you see, you're right. And, and I think that there's a, there's a couple of issues with it. I think the first one is that um, the major broadcast deal is with Fox and Channel 9 they haven't got the the rights to the international games. So the international games have been on Channel 7 over here. And they haven't got as much push and they haven't got as much clout to actually to actually insist on things and, and to kind of push the, the agenda uh, like Nine and, and Fox do. Nine and Fox have got a, a probably got a vested interest in it not happening because it damages play. You know, you've you got people going over there possibly getting injured. It could damage players that, that add to their their profits and their viewership you know um the second thing is that you haven't really got a vocal players association over here advocating for it you know you haven't got a, a you know an australian captain geeing up everybody and going into the press and saying i can't wait to go play the world cup we're going to go this we're going to do this to the palms we're going to do this to the kiwis and everything nothing it's complete silence um so that's the that's the next thing and then then like you say the clubs as well the clubs are are loath to release players to go overseas who then going to have to have another 14 days quarantine when they come back 
um, because that's the Australian thing, and then might come back with COVID and might infect the rest of the players and everything. That they're, you know, the, so the clubs are against it as well. So over here, you know, no matter what the people from the from the RL World Cup are saying, over here. You've got the TV people advocating against it. You've got the press more or less advocating against it. And you've got the clubs advocating against it. And the players are silent. Which is a concern. So that is a massive concern. You want, I don't even know who the captain of Australia is right now, you know. Well, it was. Uh, what's his name? Was it from, uh, from the Roosters? But he's retired injured. Um, ah, so it's Boyd Cardinal. Uh, Boyd Cardinal, yeah. It was Boyd Cardinal who was, who was captain of his club, his state and his country. Right. But not now. So it's literally up and down. I mean, don't forget, Australia haven't played since 2019, yeah, since exactly. they lost to Tonga. They, they named a yeah. merit start last year, which was, <laughs> you know, what's the point? Uh, yeah, what's the point of that? Yeah, like you say, they haven't played the, the, the usual mid-season trans test against New Zealand for the past couple of years. So, you know, you couldn't yeah. even say what their 17 would be. We all know it'll be a lot better than whatever England put out. Yeah, that goes without saying, but we don't actually know who's going to be in there. It's like put five or six teams out. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? It's... Yeah, it's a worry, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I can't see it going ahead, even if you know the official rugby league World Cup, all the authorities, Twitter, you know, Facebook, all you know, obviously tweeted out last week that it will go ahead. I'm sort of thinking, yeah, but it won't though, will it? And that's the sad stage we're at now. I mean, like I say, we started this off saying, well, the Super League season even get completed, never mind a you know rugby league World Cup tournament, and and again, I I, I have my doubts. You know, it's sort of like the same thought process as last year with Super League because at one stage last year that looked like it was seriously in doubt. And, you know, as I say, I'm looking forward to Thursday. I cannot wait. You know, an unrestricted crowd. I mean, it's sort of just feels first time that all have been there in, in 28 months. The last time all played Huddersfield at Huddersfield was a 28-8 win in 2019. Uh, Josh Griffin actually missed a goal from pretty much under the sticks. <laughs> Jake Connor ended up getting took off. Mark Sneed's knee was obviously in its infancy. You know, just come back from a serious knee injury from yes. the season before. So he was taking it easy. He got a bang, decided not to take a kick. Yeah, Griffin <laughs> practically missed from under the sticks. But... <laughs> but he played at fullback. You know, you know, no, it was one of them. I realised the other week as well. Um, when I was watching, and it would have been, been the last one. Oh, it might have been the, the world. Was it the World Nines, or, or it might be the last World Cup, or whatever. But when I saw Beretta Farimo play for the USA, he was doing—he was on kicking duties for the USA. Yeah, that was 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, the World Cup in, yeah. obviously, over in your place, Australia. Yeah, World yeah. Cup, yeah. So, I mean, Farimo can kick as well. <laughs> yeah, he's actually kicked a couple of goals for all. That's <laughs> Farimo. Yeah. Uh, I think he's missed as many as he's landed. I will point that out <laughs> yeah, as well. But, he's, yeah. not, he's not a regular kicker, <laughs> No, it's not. Same, same with Griffin. Although he did kick, kick a few against Huddersfield, ironically, again in there. In one of the games that we played on neutral territory in Warrington last season, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Funny how things work out, isn't it? But, Does McNamara? Does McNamara kick goals like his dad did? Yeah, Ben McNamara kicks goals. Yeah, he's I've seen him click, yeah. kick plenty for the reserve side. I mean, yeah, what's the reserve side? Blimey, Christ! Yeah, 2019 when when they actually played a, you know, a fair few fixtures. I think they got up over 13, 14 games that year, maybe even 15. Yeah, Ben was kicking regularly, yeah. and he he's, he's not a bad kicker to be fair to him. I mean, the problem is we've been spoilt for the past six seasons with Max Need, haven't we? I mean, we we have been spoilt rotten. I mean, that boy can kick, can't and, he? You know, so. and, and before that, we Tickle as well. You yeah, know, Tickle was a great goal kicker. Yeah, he was. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, before Danny Tickle, we had well, Paul Cook before he decided. Paul to, Cook, Bruff. You know, yeah, Danny Bruff. Bruff as well. Yeah, Matt Crowther. You know, I've had some decent yeah, kickers in this whole league era. Even Steve yeah. Prescott could kick goals. Yeah, he could. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
So yeah, we, we've been very lucky in that in that department in the Super League area. But uh, yeah, I remember that game, March twenty nineteen against Huddersfield. Uh, started a run of five full FC victories on the road, which at the time was you know pretty much unthinkable. They won at Wigan the week before, then won at Huddersfield, uh, then won at. Catalans when Max needed those four kicks. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty good time to be an old fan actually. That that, you know that that season was obviously up and down, but we had some moments. That was one of them. Obviously, two of our best modern day Challenge Cup victories have been at Oddersfield, two thousand five against St Helens, yeah. two thousand thirteen against Warrington. Obviously, two belting day outs there. So it, it's a good yeah. venue, and we we all know it, don't we? We all know some know it better than others. Those that decided to go on the pitch in the year of two thousand, uh, <laughs> and the shenanigans that went on that afternoon, but. Yeah, it's, it's a decent venue, and it, uh, it, it'd be interesting to see what type of crowd actually go, because I know a lot of all fans that are going, you may have to go on social media to look at people saying, oh yeah, i got my tickets for this field, can't wait, and it should be a decent following, it's just a shame it's on a Thursday night and not a Sunday afternoon. My memories of, of that stadium um, go back to 97, and the game ah. where the, the game where we came up into Super League, um, and we beat, we beat uh, Huddersfield that day, and uh, Schofield was playing for Huddersfield. And I ragged and shouted and screamed at Schofield so much that he actually turned round to the section of the crowd that I was <laughs> that I was in and like shook his head because I called him all the names. <laughs> um, and I was sat right up in the gods in the disabled area because my mate was in a wheelchair and like all the old supporters were at the other end, but I was the only one from that side shouting and screaming abuse. <laughs> abuse at Schofield and he kept looking around and shaking his head and my mate it's Paul Kilbride who's who's well known in Leeds he, he broke his neck playing rugby league when he was like 13 or 14 I think Paul and uh, and he, he actually said to me he said oh Chris you've embarrassed me <laughs> he, said, it was, he literally it was only due to the fact that I was designated to be his carer and he didn't need a carer he drove me there um, and it's only because I was designated to be his carer that I didn't get kicked out that day I think at this world but uh, yeah I, I, so I, I remember that word for very very well <laughs> I also remember Huddersfield beating Hull in the divisional premiership final as well <laughs> yes yeah that was the day that um that was that wasn't that the day that, that Brad Heppy had, had organised everyone to shave the heads or mm. uh, they'd all coloured the hair or something, hadn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was that that was probably that was probably the, the biggest bloody disappointment. Because that year we we'd taken everyone that year and we'd won the, the league fairly easily. It was it was really between us and Huddersfield and that was about it. And I think Whitehaven were up there as well. Whitehaven were a good team that year as well. Um but yeah, I, I remember that very well. It was uh and that, again, Gary Lester's got the, the winning train. We talked about Gary Lester a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, one of the NRL connections, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I, the year before I started watching all, 1998 was the first year I started watching all. My dad, I'm guessing second division would be bringing a, you know, a four-slash-five-year-old in 97 wasn't for him. And I don't really blame him because <laughs> no. 98, 99, I spent more time running up the Ellie Street steps than I did watching the game, to be honest, uh, as he so often rags me for and getting chased by me now. <laughs> Yeah, never yeah, yeah, that I mean, I'd been the same. I'd have been the same just 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 a few years before you. I mean, first game I was taken to was uh, was the f- the preliminary round of the cup in 1979. So the the year we ended up going to Wembley, and getting beat by Rovers in 1980. The preliminary round of the cup was was either early 1980 or late 1979. I think it had been January or February 80. Yeah. and we were playing Millham, the Cumbrian team. We won 33-10. But that was the first game I went to. I was six years old. 
Brilliant. So, uh, and again, I can't remember much about it. And, I, and like you, I think I spent most of my time running up down the steps at the Alley Street, and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do at that age, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, wow, big open terrace. I'm going to, you know, stretch my legs here. Well, I've still got the energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I couldn't do it now. I'll tell you that much. I could not do it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Still playing them with our missed games. Obviously, as as we say, we, we've got to get to eighteen games to be a yep. to actually warrant being a playoff side. We've currently played eleven. We've got fourteen scheduled. Well, three of those have been postponed, so it's still eleven games scheduled. We've got seven to play in seven weeks to qualify. And ironically, I actually found out literally about ten minutes before we started recording that if if we do rearrange our missed games, so Rovers, yep. sorry Salford, Lee, then Rovers. They have to be done in the order that they were scheduled in the first place, which, to be honest, I kind of like. Yes. Yeah, it stops teams cherry-picking which games they want to play and which games they don't. It actually sort of brings some integrity back to the competition because I'm, I must admit, I'm not a fan of this win percentage. Like, Obviously, it's there for a reason, and without it, yeah. obviously, it probably would be an even bigger fast, but I think teams can, can play, well, just like anything, they can play it to their advantage, can't they? I mean, you've had yeah, you know, so, I wasn't going to say it, but you've had Castleford this week come out and say, oh, yeah, we don't really fancy going to Catalans at the weekend. Oh, shock. Who saw that coming? I'm sure you're done. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, then again, who would want to play Catalans at the moment? Isn't it Nan Super League wins in a row, something like that, at the top of the table? You know, French Rugby League, yeah, bang that drum every week. Catalans are top of Super League to lose top of Championship. So I must like there's something in it anyway, isn't there? But, yeah, yeah. if all if do rearrange... Any of our games, obviously it'll be Salford first, then it'll be Lee, and then it'll be Rovers, obviously least but not last, so last but not least even. So I don't know where they're going to fit those games in. As I say, seven weeks to complete the season uh, before the playoffs are supposed to start. I just but What worries me now is I can see it developing into a proper fast, and I can see it getting that bad, where the 18-game threshold might be reduced to something like, I don't know, even 15 or 16, because I know we've played 11. There's a few teams that have played 14, but... Who's to say that we're not going to get more outbreaks as the week goes on? I mean, it seems, like I say, it seems we get one or two at least every single week. Yeah, and with and that was with lockdown and, and with restrictions. Now the UK is completely, you know, all bets are off. I can't see it going any other way other than more more outbreaks. No, you know, I agree. I'd be very surprised. I agree. Yeah. it be interesting to see what the, what, what the fan sort of like feeling is come Thursday. You know, will they actually spread out still in the stand? I suppose it's down to you as an individual, individual, isn't it? If you want to go sit with your yeah. mates, go sit with your mates. If you want to go sit in the corner on your own, you go do that. I'm not going to judge you either way. Yeah. Just do what you want. Yeah, and the whole thing with masks as well, you know. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, it, yeah. it should be a matter of personal choice. Well, it, well, it is now, isn't it? I mean, if you want to wear one, wear yeah. it. I mean, personally, do I want to wear something that's been stuck at the bottom of my bag than in my pocket and it's probably got more germs on it than anything I'm wearing? <laughs> I don't know, but... That says more about you than it does about the mask, though, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, no one wants to put their hand in my rucksack, I tell you. But yeah, yeah I think I've, I've been out drinking with you, mate. I know what you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good night, <laughs> darling. Arthur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just personal choice, and you do what you want to do. I mean, that's what we've we've always done as as a country, isn't it? That's what freedom of choice and what have you. And yeah, just yeah. crack on, but. Yeah, as I say, really looking forward to that Huddersfield game. Hopefully, Hull FC can continue their win- winning run. I mean, let's not forget, we've actually won our last three games. Castleford, Lee and Huddersfield. It, it feels like a bloody lifetime ago since we was at Lee watching Hull score, you know, 64 points winning at Castleford. Yeah. Obviously, that 
you know, the ragtag Hull FC side, as you so eloquently put in your blog, <laughs> uh, since they came back to beat Huddersfield. It does, it seems a lifetime ago now, and when you think, it, hang on a minute, it was only three, four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and we said, didn't we, 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 we actually um, identified this run of results as, as where we can actually really make some ground upon the top two or three. You know, this, this is where we really start to hit our straps because we are playing teams that we should be beating week in, week out. So, um, you know, this is where this, this is where we make here while the sun shines, hopefully, get into that top three, top four, and then, you know, qualify for the finals and it's straight knockout football. And in straight knockout football, Hull have got nothing to fear from any team in that league. No, I agree. On how dare we can beat anybody. I must admit, when we when we had the back to back games against St Ellen's and you and you were saying, look, there's nothing to fear. You know, we can get these. I was sort of thinking, oh, I don't know. I'm a little bit more skeptical because I look at St Ellen's and they're a bloody good side. But you know, Castleford gave them a big scare, led at half time in the Challenge yeah. Cup final on Saturday. They're not the St yeah, Ellen's. They were great. Exactly. I didn't think they were great. No, they're not. They're not the free flowing St Ellen's of like a couple of years ago, are they? they, they no. I, no. You can get at them now. You know, there's areas where yeah. you can get at them and you can, and you can hurt them and you can cause some damage. And I, I, I'm sort of totally. thinking, you know what, Pommy Rich, you are absolutely bang on. Unless we've got nothing to fear. No, I don't, I don't think we do. You know, and you know, I mean, when we played Saints in that semi-final, and you know, it, it did. At the end of the day, it did come down to a, an interception. You know, and and that was that was after we'd we'd had a lot of. A lot of things go against us in that game, and, and to lose by an interception was absolutely no disgrace to us. And you always thought the winner of that game would have won the cup. You know, whoever you know, the, the castle—that was they were net, The winner was never going to come from the other semi-final. It was always going to come from the whole semi-final. You thought. And then, honestly, watching because I, I did stay up and watch watch the Wembley final at the weekend and. And watching that game, Cass did really, really well. They just couldn't sustain it. That, that was the issue. You know, Saints kind of, a little bit of class of theirs shone, shone through, I thought. Although, albeit, that the, the try where, the, where uh, was it Regan Grace jumps from touch yeah. to, to touch the ball, that, that's a disgrace. And that is, that is more or less page one of, of rugby league rules. And the fact that the video ref didn't, didn't spot that. Is a disgrace. Yeah, I agree. But, but, uh, I agree. Yeah. In, in the in the biggest game of you know certainly you know it's it's the game that's on national TV and it's the game that we all kind of point to and, and say to people that don't watch rugby league, here's your chance to watch a good game because you know they're not going to watch a game on Sky because they're not interested in them probably haven't got Sky, but they are going to watch a game on on national TV on the BBC, aren't they? They have to, you know. So to to do that and then to have that controversy and. and and that, that that was a disgraceful um, decision. It was. Say the least. I think it Cass, was. But I would, yeah. 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 I agree. It was a disgraceful decision. But I would say the best team still won. I mean. Oh, totally. Totally. But I get where you're um, coming but from. But I think I think if that had been disallowed, I think Cass would have got. I honestly think it'd have been a lot closer. I think Cass, Cass might have even edged it. I, I agree. Saints were the better team, but but Cass went going away until that point. Mm. No, you know? yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But there was, there was another one in the Catalans-Leeds game where Ben Thaler pulled it back for a knock-on, except it wasn't a knock-on. I think it was Josh Drinkwater, he sort of, uh, the ball bounced and he sort of hacked it on. It came off like his yeah. hip or his thigh, and so the referee pulled back the try for a knock-on. Didn't even go to the screen, he already blown up by the time <laughs> that they put the ball down. And they showed the replays, and like I say, it never even touched the hand, not, not even 
a remote slim chance of a knock-on, you know, never a knock-on in a million years, and you're thinking, yeah. that is an utter disgrace. Luckily, Catalan scored literally a couple of minutes later, so it didn't really matter, but it's those decisions that, that's what puts fans off, because it then becomes a farce. If you're seeing those decisions in big games, like you'll say on national TV, terrestrial TV, for the whole country watching, it's probably your biggest TV audience for a rugby league game in, in your rugby league calendar, yeah. and that happens. Yeah. It, it does put people off the spot, because it becomes a farce. I mean, he had his foot on the line. You know, on the line's yeah. over the line in rugby league. He jumped with with one foot. On, and it's just, you know, it beggars belief. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, well, that's not a try. And when he when he, he put it up as a try, I'm like, what, really? Really? <laughs> you know? And you had the, you know, the ref, you know, replaying, oh, you know, I need to see where the ball bounced, and I need to do this, and I need it's just he never even mentioned the fact that he had a foot in touch. It's just wrong. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been the recipient of it at, at Magic Weekend, haven't we? When uh, when Chris Crane scored the try despite the fact he was ten meters in front of the kicker. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just wrong. And it's you, wrong. you sort and of accept, don't you? The mistakes happen. You know, a player will drop a ball, a referee will miss a forward pass. Can live with that. Yeah. But when you're seeing, you've got t- multiple TV angles and cameras showing his foot on the line. Or like you say, Chris Green ten yards offside. It's it's a bit different. You know, that, that's more sinister, mate. Because then that's you've got a referee who doesn't know the rules. Mm. That's not making a mistake. Because he had plenty of time to to alter his opinion. Plenty of time. Yeah. You got the you got the you got the linesman didn't flag it. You got the ref on the pitch didn't spot it, and then you've got a video ref who sees multiple angles and rewinds it and folds it and rewinds it and folds it and rewinds and folds it and doesn't pick it up. That is a bunch of officials that don't know the rule. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's as sinister as that. It generally is. and It's worrying. <laughs> it's worrying because, like you say, it's a showpiece event. But I must admit, it was a great game. I, I didn't watch it oh, live. Yeah. I was watching North Ferriby FC. I must admit, local football, grassroots football, can't beat it. Love your mates, having a beer. Sun's out as well, 20, 28 degrees on Saturday. It was like being back in Australia with you. It was great. But, yeah, I watched it when I got back. Um it was on YouTube, must admit, within 12 hours of it completing. So I watched it on YouTube. Uh, it was a great, great game, must admit. Like you say, Castleford really took it. So I'm, I was sort of thinking, do I want Cast to win because of the Liam Watts connection? I'm still a big fan of Liam Watts. And he, he was absolutely immense in his time at OFC. Uh, but I was thinking, nah, bollocks to Cass. I can't stand Cass. You know, it's Leeds, Rovers, Cass. Nah, I can't stand any of them. So I must admit, I was happy that St. Helens won. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of I was you know I watched it more or less as a as, as a as a neutral I suppose, um, but you know when 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 Cass started when you know when they're, they're going into half time and, and leading and stuff, you, you were looking at it going, there's a bit of an upset on the cards here, and um, and again, the the Lance Todd Trophy we know didn't you know although he played well probably shouldn't have won it. Um, Although I, th- I thought he played very well, did Evans, and I thought um, I thought in, in the forwards they looked fairly strong. Um, Cass, um, apart from that, I mean, you'd be struggling, you'd be struggling to pick a back from Cass apart from Evans that that was fantastic. Olfurt was all right. Mm. Shent and Ten were all right. Matauti, you know, O'Brien and Truman were okay. Um, you know, I thought Senny Lefeo was all right in patches. Watts did okay off the bench, but apart from that, you know, McShane tried hard, Millington tried hard, you know, um, 
you're right. Saints just had too much for them. They, they were they're they're a classier side. Yeah, they, they're a bloody yeah. good side. Probably stuttering, yeah. like I say, from the brilliant to two three year ago, but. Yeah, they're mm. the team to beat still. But like I said, there's no reason why, oh, you know, they've got nothing to face. Should they make St. Owens in the playoffs again? I mean, bring it on. Interesting, you mentioned the lads Todd Trophy winner. Now Evel's obviously winning it on a losing side. Mm. Uh, OFC player Tommy Harris did that, didn't he? In 1960, they all got battered 38-5. Yeah. But Tommy Harris, he played the game. I think he had concussion and he carried on. And yeah, they, obviously everyone who voted that day sort of thought, you yeah, know, took some balls out fair play to you. We'll give you the Lance Todd Trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, um, I remember in the in the commentary from two thousand and sixteen that the um, BBC commentator said, "Oh, you know, the, the last all players, you know, all players that win this year was was Tommy Harrison. They gave him because they felt sorry for him after he was on a losing side. That that wasn't the case at all. He was badly concussed early, um, and then carried on playing and threw himself into every tackle with absolutely no thought for his own preservation. You know, these days he'd have been taken off on that HIA and he would have stayed off, mm. you know, but, um, uh, you know, and, and there were, there were different times then we weren't as enlightened as we are now about head injuries and the long-term impacts and the long-term, um, you know, the prognosis of players that have poor head knocks and stuff. Um, yeah, but he, he was he was an absolute lunatic that day, flying into the tackle everywhere. So, you know, he, he, he fully deserved it. But, yeah, we did get absolutely smashed that day. <laughs> Very good Wakefield side, obviously, with Neil Fox, it must be said. Uh, it just shows how we've got it right. You know, rugby league has got the concussion stuff right, 100%. And I've got no quarrels with players getting taken off for HIAs. And... I'll tell you something about that 1960 Challenge Cup as well. Um, there's... Um... Obviously, in the days before the BBC had the rights and stuff, they used to, you know, have movie cameras there and stuff, and they used to show it in the cinemas, you know, like the, the newsreel and the movie turn news and all that kind of stuff. In the British archives, I think it's Pathé, the British Pathé archives, there is a report of the Wakefield Hole Cup final. Right. And um, in the first 30 seconds... There's my dad and my grandma in the crowd. They're the two featured people that the camera keeps going to in the crowd in the first 30 seconds of like a two-minute newsreel it is. Brilliant. And my dad didn't even knew it existed. <laughs> and um, I was what, I was just doing some research for something else I was doing because I was, I was writing. I think I, I might have... No, it was before I was writing for you. Um, so I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was, I was looking for something. I'm just a bit of a nerd like that. And when I saw it, I was like, God, that looks like my dad. And then like the next frame, I was like, bloody hell, it's my grandma. <laughs> and when I sent it to my dad, I sent it to my sister to show my dad. He had no idea the camera was even there. And there's just like a moment in time of him jumping about as a, he'd have been 13 at the cup final. Um, yeah. So just you know, jumping around, he had no idea. Talk about capturing a moment in time. Mental air. Yeah, brilliant. I was there, obviously... Decades before iPhones and camera phones came into existence, yeah. people actually yeah. lived in the moment and didn't spend twenty four seven, you know, tapping and scrolling. And yeah, what a time mm-hmm. to be alive here! Eh? But yeah, totally. So after our rugby league inverted commas master plan last week, um, <laughs> someone actually messaged in a list there and said, "What would your thoughts be on Yorkshire v Lancashire?" And I'm thinking, well, I'd rather see England v France. He's thinking, no, 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 I didn't mean the. The actual origin, I meant the county cups. So we're tired of the Yorkshire Cup and the Lancashire Cup. So right. thinking, what are your thoughts on that? No. 
I'll be as succinct as possible. Look, look, I think he's got merit and, and all the rest of it. But, however, I just think the players, we're asking too much of the players. Mm. You know, we've said this in the past, and I wrote a blog about it, you know, a whole, I think it was 80, 85, ended up playing nearly 50 games. Yeah, in a 35-week in a season. Yeah, on a 30-week season, because you know we got to the final of the the Yorkshire Cup, we got to the final of the John Player, um, we got to the final of the Challenge Cup with two replays and played a full 36-round um, or whatever it was, 40-round um, league season as well. Um, I just think these days with the game being much more um, demanding. And I think these days with the game being faster and, and players getting, you know, there's more of an understanding on, on player welfare. I just think, I think it would be a bridge too far. I agree. But I was giving this some thought when he asked me. So I thought, mm, okay. So I would bring it back, but I wouldn't bring it back for the first team. I'd bring it back for the reserves. You're giving your young, okay. you're giving your, your sort of your fringe, and also more importantly, your young players a chance of winning something. So if you look at LFC yeah. reserve side right now, featuring you know recent first teamers Marcus Walker, yep. Aidan Burrell, you know you sort of thinking that gives them something to play for in a reserve team league, which you should have anyway. But if you brought a knockout cup competition, Yorkshire Cup, so you're only going as far as what Huddersfield, Sheffield, York at a push. You know you're not going any further than that. So an hour, an hour and a bit on a coach, you can do it on Wednesday nights. You can do it on Saturdays whenever. I don't care. Maybe try get a broadcaster involved in it. And do it like so, like an A team competition, and give them something to aspire to, give them something to win, you know, to win something, get a taste for success, and and bring the the lower league teams, first grade teams in, or reserve teams as well. I'd probably say the lower league first team. So if you, like you say you can have all your super league sides have their reserve grade side, but then you, you're playing against your Featherstone first team, your York first team, that might be frowned on in some parts because I know in football they really don't like the. I, can't, I don't even know what it's called now. It's like the Football League trophy. It's sponsored. I don't know. I think it's Papa John's who sponsor it, actually, funnily enough. Uh, and obviously, that's that's done with like... Yeah. Free pizzas. <laughs> yeah, free pizzas. Woo. Yeah, it's like your Manchester United academies, your Chelsea academies, you know, your Man City, okay. Spurs, Arsenal, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And they get to play like, I don't know, your Port Vale first team. Or your, your, okay. you know, your... I, can, I can get behind that. I can I, get I can. behind that. 100%. I, I like that. I, I sort of like that. Idea. Yeah. And then further to that, then, you do the same in France. Yeah. Catalan's reserves, possibly Toulouse if they come up as well, reserves, yeah. and then Carcassonne, Albi, Pierre, you know, all the others, Power Walders, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good to me, yeah. Let's do it. I mean, obviously, let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're in charge, yeah. We'll take all the profits as well, <laughs> all the credit for the idea. <laughs> but no, I just don't, I, I 100% agree with you that it would put too much demand as a first team competition on the players right now, uh, but yeah. for his, we are crying out for a, a reserve team, you know, a reserve league, a proper, proper A team structure. I just think that it could sit really well with these young blokes. That yeah. think, you know, what I want to win that because don't forget it's a famous old trophy as well. There's obviously that, you know, the infamous picture of David Topless lifting it above his head. Uh, I think we've used that on another cream front cover once upon a time. Actually, yeah, January two thousand nineteen. So, yeah, I, I, I could get behind that. And the other reason is as well, you know, because obviously. Your, your lower league sides generally don't get past the first couple of rounds of the Challenge Cup anyway, so it's not going to be massive overkill for them. Um, okay, yeah, I can, I, I can see, I can see the, I can see the logic in that. Um, you can create so, yeah, rules. Like you can create rules as well, so you can say, right, yeah. I don't know, Hull have got to the semi-final, they're playing Featherstone, but Hull can only play 
I don't know, a maximum of three players that haven't played in the tournament yeah. you know, by that stage. So you can't just get to the semi final yeah. final and field your first team. You've got to, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. just create rules, don't you? Or you say, like, only well, five players have made 25 or something like that. Totally. It was the same with the A team, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Back in the days of the A team, it was the same then. Because they used to have a thing called the Yorkshire Senior Cup yeah, um, right. in the in the A team. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> you know, especially if you had a team that were, you know, towards the bottom of the division, but that were safe from relegation and had no chance of winning any silverware, that the option was always to kind of just dip into your first grade and, and just go, oh, look, you play for the A-team on Wednesday night as well because we might win something with the A-team. And, and yeah, I think, um, yeah, as long as as long as there's some robust rules around it. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. And not not as it was, but bringing it back slightly differently, I can I can get around that. Right, I'll go get my coat then. <laughs> yes, you flat cap and you whip it. Brilliant. Um, as for Origin itself, then, while I'm on my high arse now, I think I predicted a two-one New South Wales series win, didn't I? I think you might have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, I I think you might have done. I didn't got the order wrong though. I went New South Wales, Queensland, New South Wales. Obviously, it was New South Wales, yeah. New South Wales, Queensland. But I'll take that a two-one, a two-one victory. I'm sure you will. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, the third origin, I actually quite enjoyed it to be honest. Obviously, it was competitive, which makes it, you know, which obviously helps it watching anyway. Because you don't, I'm not, even if it is a peripheral or a, you know, New South Wales, obviously my allegiances, you don't want to watch a massacre every single week. You want to, would it get boring no. watching all win fifteen every week? You know what? Probably not. Actually, I'd love that, but <laughs> I, you know, it's just it's just nice to see a massive game. And uh, people say it's a dead rubber, but it's not. It's origin. It's never a dead rubber. And it was just nice to see a bit of competitiveness. And, you know, fair play to Queensland, who obviously managed to pull the win out. It was important, important mm. for Queensland to win that. Um, because, you know, they, they, you wouldn't want to be part of a Queensland team known for all three games being played in Queensland for the first time ever and losing all three. That would have been catastrophic, I think. Um, I think it's probably saved Paul Green's job um, as coach. Um, and... I'll be interested to see what happens next year. Look, a lot of it is because Cleary and Luai weren't playing. And to be honest, I think that, that New South Wales probably should have picked Walker and um, and Reynolds from uh, um, from South. And, 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 you know, Walker and Adam Reynolds and, and actually um, st- stick with a, a club partnership, uh, both of which, both of them have played Origin before. They're no strangers to it they would have brought that club partnership to it. And I think that they've done really well. Jack White and, and um, Mitch Moses, I think. I don't think Mitch Moses will ever play Origin again after that. I, mean, I thought he was bloody ordinary. Mm. Come out, he's bro- actually broke a bone in his back. It sounds a lot more serious than it actually is. But although, although it must be said, it, it did say the time span on the injury. It's indefinitely, but they're probably looking at, I don't know, three, four, five weeks. Yeah. But... Yeah, didn't uh, he, exactly cover he, himself he, in glory. The, the one thing he did, he, he pulled a heartstring, mate. He, he's he wasn't his heart wasn't in it. Yeah, it just shows yeah. a difference string, you know. I mean, <laughs> we have this argument in the Tomlinson household quite often because obviously my Penrith, Nathan Cleary, my dad's Parramatta, obviously Mitchell Moses. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking. You see, I hate them both being a Tiger supporter. <laughs> yeah. Because Moses did the dirty on us and buggered off, and Cleary never came in the first bloody place. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of yeah, gritted teeth on both parts there, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I just said to my dad, yeah, I hate to say I told you so. I'm on a roll today. I'm loving this. 
Moving swiftly on before my head explodes. Um, one thing we didn't cover in our master plan was rule changes. Anyone who knows me knows my thoughts on set restarts on these head highs in the NRL right now. So I'm not going to bore you to death. Let's get your perspective on it. What would you change? Um, okay, six agains um, for offsides only. Right, okay. That's what I do. Six agains for offsides only. So penalise messing around in the ruck, slow the play of the balls, actually penalise that. And sin, sin, sin bin people. They'll soon get the bloody. They'll soon get the message, and you do six against for offsides only. Three in a row. Team gets a, a warning. Um, for the, the the fourth one, someone gets sent to the sin bin. That's the way I do it. Um, the one thing I w- what really, really, really gets on my nerves with with rugby league is voluntary tackles. Is players just falling on the floor. Um, and not making an attempt to get up and, and make ground. Um, I am honestly of the of the opinion that, yeah, and I know as soon as a hand is laid on you and your ball-carrying arm touches the floor, that's a basic tenant of rugby league and all the rest of it, but voluntary tackles and just falling into the tackle, I, 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 don't, I don't like that. And especially in the last set of six before the hooter goes. Mm-hmm. I would be penalising that, and I would... I would march them 10 metres every time they do it as well. I hate that. And the, the last 10 seconds of, of games, when when games are just allowed to peter out, I hate that. That is a blight on the game. Um, like Walker um, for the Roosters a couple of weeks ago, who picked the ball up for 20 that. seconds to go and ran in 70 metres backwards. Mm. You know, sod that. that. That's wrong. We can't have that. You know? By the letter of the law... Um, not he did actually nothing wrong, but in the spirit of the game, it, it's it's sort of a little bit like the uh, obviously the Josh Griffin the Theo Farge thing. Although no rules were officially mm. broken, it's common yeah, sense, but it's also the spirit, spirit of the game, game exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't like that either, and the, especially the fact no, that so, he's English born as well. It's like nah, nah, we're not having that. Totally, um, that that is is my kind of things um, because again, I don't want to tinker with it too much. I I, I love the product that we've got. I just think that there are a couple of things that really get on my nerves. Voluntary tackles, the last 10-second plays, you know, the, the kind of the, the lumbering into a tackle and, and, and you know, wasting time and, and all of this. I, I think the referee should be stopping the clock every time a player goes down with cramp in the last 10 minutes of a game. You know, last five minutes of a game. I hate it. Um, you know, they should be saying, right, if you've got cramp, someone else plays the ball and you lie there with your cramp or you'd go off the field. You know, yeah. I hate all that. Yeah. Um, it's just gamesmanship, and I, I hate that it's it's sinking into our game like it has with soccer. All of this stuff about players going down and staying down, feigning injury and stuff that that's again, it's a blight on the game, and, and it needs to stop. Um, I just think there's there's some, and I hate to use it because it's a word that I hate to use. It's a phrase I hate to use. Is common sense needs to be applied because people don't have common sense. Common sense isn't all that common. But that last that last minute of a game, it's sloppy and I hate it. It's a really bad look, especially when a team has got the ball. There's twenty seconds left, and the game's still in the balance, you know. And, and they're they're wasting time and they're going up with cramp and they're, you know, they're, they're falling into tackles and it's voluntary tackles and all the rest of it. I hate it. I just think it's. It, it, it destroys. It leaves a really nasty taste in my mouth at the end of a game when a game just peters out, or when the referee calls a scrum with mm. twenty seconds to go, and and the players are shaking hands, and the hooter hasn't even gone. Yeah. Stop the bloody clock. Yeah. 
Make them play the last play. Make them do it. Don't let the game just peter out like that. I think it's awful. I, I, I agree. Suck. Are you playing to the whistle? Yeah, it might sound petty, but after all, rugby league is a game that is 80 minutes long, not 79, not 78. Yeah, I hate it. I, it just, and I know I'm, I'm getting old and I'm getting cranky, but, <laughs> but you know, I just it, it makes me... You know, my, my TV is covered in beer and chips because I just, because I'm like, ah! <laughs> the TV every time it happens. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it really, really upsets me. When you say... I know there's bigger things in the world to be upset about, but that really, really gets on my nerves. <laughs> Fair enough. That's good. When you say chips, do you mean crisps or chips? I do. I'm sorry. I do. I mean crisps. <laughs> there you go. There's an Australianism. I, said, I, I, caught, I caught myself saying yogurt the other day. Oh, God, I hate myself. I hate myself. <laughs> well, I suppose you have, you have been yeah. there a while now, so it might give you some slack. Yeah, it's yeah, scary stuff, that's not it? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. all better than my life. <laughs> so, to finish then, uh, NRL club connection this week, we are going for the team in Australia that everybody loves to hate, and we can start hating them again now that they're good again the Manly Sea Eagles. Yeah, now these, these actually. But I've been doing these over the times. You know, you, you get maybe a couple of really good players from one team and, and then a couple of kind of squad players and stuff. Nearly everyone in this in this list, you can look at and go, bloody hell, what a player. <laughs> um, there's not many of them, but there's the, the ones that we've had, fantastic. And the first one, Steve Norton. Had two oh, seasons with Manly. Yeah. Yep, won the premiership. Now, the second row, the year that he won the premiership, right, was him and Phil Lowe. Wow. <laughs> and Phil Lowe scored the try in the 76 grand final. He scored a try in the, the 76 grand final, and Steve Norton was his second row partner. How good is that? You think, um, what, five years so, they're knocking the shit out of each other? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 13 10 over Parramatta, 1976 grand final. And Jeff Girard was playing for Parramatta, who ended up playing for all 10 years later, 86. And then Jeff Girard, after he left Parramatta, went to Manly as well. He's the next name on the list, Jeff Girard. Uh, Dave Brown, who came to Hull in 86, 87, was an ex-Manly player, as was Noel Cleal, obviously famously, probably, um, you know, um, one of the more famous uh, Manly players that played for us. And he's still employed at Manly, actually, he's Noel Cleal. He's, he's followed Des Hasler, uh, where, wherever Des has been coaching, um, Noel Cleal has, has followed as he's, he's head of recruitment. Um, so he went to the Bulldogs when, when Hasler went to the Bulldogs and he's returned to Manly and he's still there. Now, even though he's getting on in years of it, he's, he's crusher. He's, he's got to be, well, he's well over 60. He's still working for Des Hasler as head of recruitment there at Manly. Um, and in fact, when I bumped into Crusher, God, I'm going to kind of drop names here, but when I bumped into Crusher, he was talking about Hull and saying that Hull had been sniffing around one of Manley's players. Um, however, it wasn't the right time and he'd ended up going to New Zealand Warriors. Now, that player was Liggy Sow. Oh, wow. Um, who Hull got their man two years later. Um, but, um, yeah, he's an ex-Manley player as well. Liggy, he made his, um, made his debut for Manly. Um, obviously, Noel Clear was spoken about. Des Hasler, uh, obviously, um, was Manly um, and came to Hull in 93. Now, to get the money to um, to sign Des Hasler, um, our coach at the time, uh, Penrith uh, legend, what's his name? Um, Roy Simmons. 
Roy Simmons ran seven marathons in seven days to get the money uh, sponsored, to get the money together to sign Des Hasler in 93. Des Hasler obviously very famously had that game, um, was it against Witness in the Regal Trophy when he nearly died? Yeah, because he, he, he was freezing to death. and It was a bloody cold night. I was there that night. It was horrible. Um, Dave Ronson, who was a, a centre uh, that we got in the mid-90s from Manly as well, who actually turned out to be the head of sales at Foster's when I was working at Foster's. Had a good couple of chats with him about the Boulevard. Um, James Lulo, I had a season for uh, Manly and signed for, for Manly on a um, short-term basis almost immediately after Wembley in 85 um, and did and played the English summer um, for Manly because uh, obviously that's Aussie winter played six games for Manly and hardly set the world on fire and that was it came back to England came back to Hull uh, David Lydiard who we spoke about uh, last week in a Parramatta sense uh, Graham Mackay as well who, who keeps cropping up on these lists because he's had more clubs than Seve Ballesteros, I think. He's just ridiculous. But um, he, he keeps popping up on the list as Graham McKay, but he played for uh, he played for Manly. And player who played for Manly and was our coach as well, Phil Sigsworth. Uh, we just talked about kind of his finest hour in, in 97 at Huddersfield when Hull got promotion from the old first division into uh, into Super League for the very first time. He played for Manly and, uh, and coached Hull. And a, a coach from... Uh, Manley and Hull as well, Peter Sharp who coached Manley in 99 and 2003 and in the interim coached the Northern Eagles who was the, the kind of Manley and North Sydney Bears merged entity for a couple of years he coached them as well, did Peter Sharp and I think he's now I think he's retired now but he did have a bit of a spell at Parramatta as well and interestingly, do you, I'm not sure how far this has kind of got into the English consciousness do you know who Roy and HG are? No Okay, Roy and HG are a couple of um, Aussie comedians, um, right. getting on a bit now, they've both been in the 60s, um, who do like, they used to do like an alternative um, state of origin commentary on the radio um, for like the ABC, like the, basically the BBC. Um, they would do like an alternate um, state of origin commentary and just take the mickey out of the game completely. And they had nicknames for all of the players. Now, Phil Sigsworth's nickname was What's a Packet Of? What's a packet of cigs worth? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, like, whenever whenever anyone talks about Phil Sigsworth in Australia, they all call him "What's a packet of?" <laughs> <laughs> Good point, that. I like it. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a, there's a Wikipedia page full of the Roy and HG's nicknames for people. You know, like, you know, Benny Elias was backdoor Benny because he used to pass the ball between his legs, and <laughs> um, you know, just just some absolute classics absolute classics but um yeah phil sigsworth and he was a good coach siggy but uh again was a bit of a casualty of us getting taken over by david lloyd and then putting walsh in charge who the the, the, the fans never took to mm. and i think the players particularly took to him either especially because we'd all kind of really enjoyed the the brand of, of football we played under phil sigsworth to win that league and it was a shame that uh yeah, it all came to an end after we won the comp that year. Yeah, it was. I'd say, I'd say it was the year before my time, but I'd say when you've got Tavita Vicona scoring 40 plus tries yeah. in the season, you know, yeah. you took in the ball about, you know, admittingly you are playing your White Avers and your Batleys and your Jules Brizzy, but still you still got to rack up the points week in, week out, and yeah, all did that, didn't they? And it's, 
again, it's that thing. As Hull fans, we always like that brand of rugby. It's why Richard Agar was, you know, pretty much crucified as a whole coach because his rugby sent you to sleep. Simple as that. And you know, we want to yep. be entertained as well. We want to win, but we want to win well. I think right now, Brett Archer is certainly ticking those boxes. Absolutely, yeah. We got the best of both worlds, haven't we? We're winning games and we're winning them. We're playing with style. Yeah. I mean, look at the last two. The last two wins. You know, the flamboyant twelve try masterclass. Then you, you, you know, you, you nitty, you gritty, roll the sleeves up, win. When you know the game's going against you, we've seen the best of both, haven't we? And and probably arguably the latter was ironically more satisfying. But you know, there we go. Yeah, I mean, to, to that point, mate. You know, I mean, I, I do anything to watch Hull win. You know, my primary aim watching Hull is that I want them to win. But it's almost the case of you'd rather watch a Hodgson coached Hull FC lose than an Agar coached Hull FC win. Nah, I get where you're coming from there because you're sort of thinking the way we went down in that Challenge Cup game to St. Helens. If you're going to lose, yeah. that's how you do it. And you know, I can think of some of those Richard Agar wins. I mean, <laughs> I also do remember going to Crusaders and putting 60-odd points past him. And there was that one at Caswell, I think we were like 52-18, something like that, to get our playoff spot in 2011. But... Yeah. Um, I, there's too many between, exactly there was, I remember the Crusaders at home 18-16 Danny Tickle kicking that penalty from a from a touchline about 35 you know 40 metres out to literally win the game 18-16 yeah. against the side that were the whipping boys that year and there was too many of those performances unfortunately like so you know London coming to the cake or when they're scraping the barrel again when everyone else is stuffing them and it's just yeah, yeah. They, were, they were just too many too frequently and that was the problem that's why he was relieved of his duties and it's a time yeah. that no one looks back on at a time where we actually enjoyed watching Hull FC. And that's the thing with 2021 under Brett Hodgson, we actually enjoyed watching Hull FC again. Yeah, and and also we've got the added bonus of enjoying watching him make a complete pig zero of the Leeds job as well. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that, yeah, absolutely. And it must admit, it's, it's, great, been, it? yeah, it's, been, it's been great to watch him against Cat Ones the past two weeks, taking big leads yeah. into half-time and still getting, still getting beat. It's been great. Beat, yeah. It's also been great to see the Sky commentary literally wax lyrical about him and pr- practically have two fingers up the bum. So when he end up, yeah. you know, losing the game again, it's absolutely brilliant. And <laughs> the amount of times that they mentioned Leeds injuries, it's like, okay, should we just forget the fact that Jimmy Maloney ain't playing? You know, Catalan's best player, and arguably the one of the top three yeah, in exactly. Super League at the moment. It's like, come on, boys. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and just to bring that back to Brian HG as well, talking about fingers up the bum, their nickname for Hopoati was Stink Fist. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> After he did the finger up the bum thing, so yeah, there you go, Stink Fist. Yeah, unfortunately, as we've seen with Kenny Edwards, that's still that's still well, happening. They, they, they called him on their podcast this week. They called him Son of Stink Fist. He's <laughs> all good. <laughs> Deary me, deary yeah. me. Uh, just uh, to finish off a selfish, selfless, uh, selfish, yeah, whatever you want to call it, plug for Up The Cream, 100th issue is currently out right now, July two, 2021. Uh, big shout out to you, Pommy Rich, there has been since the start, 100 blogs down now. Yeah, that's a lot of words, isn't it? It <laughs> that's, is. that's, yeah. It's a lot of Sunday Sunday uh, afternoons sitting at the sitting at the laptop looking at it going, right, what am I gonna say this week? But yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed it and thank you for the opportunity and stuff and uh, I think it's important that um, that there is a voice for uh, for, for fans that's not policed and, and, and sanitized by the club. Um, not that there's a lot of that these days, but you know, I think it's important that there is that, and I also think it's important that we carry on doing a podcast as well because I think that's a, another thing that people can get behind, and they might not agree with us, and they might hate us, and they might love us, but um, at the end of the day, they know that we've always got the the interest of the club at heart. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, never mind you, thank you, mate. I want to thank you. You know, 
I'll just talk about stinky fingers and all that. Yeah, a bit of ass kicking, ass kissing here, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for doing this every week, and obviously. <laughs> That got weird really quickly, didn't it? <laughs> it did, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> on that note, yeah, I think we'll leave that there for <laughs> this edition of the no podcast. Thanks for your time, mate. Come on, you all. Cheers, mate. You too.